Welcome to the Howie Silbiger Show on the True Talk Radio Network. Get in on the conversation. Call 1-877-669-1292. And I'm Howie Silbiger. Welcome to the program. Do appreciate you joining me. So happy to be here. It has been uh, quite a weekend. Uh, 50 hostages are being released by Hamas. Some of them foreign nationals, Thai workers, and uh, and non-Jewish hostages that were taken prisoner by Hamas after the October 7th genocidal attack on Israel. The rest are uh, young Jews, either children or really old Jews, uh, senior citizens that Hamas took hostage. Thankfully, most of the people that have been released, most of the people that, uh, that we're seeing released, seem to be in relatively good shape. It seems like Hamas is keeping some of the hostages, we don't know about all of them, but at least some of them in, uh, in relatively good shape so that, uh, the, so that the image, the world image, would look good when they release them. The people who are ripping down the signs, the posters calling for the release of the hostages, those people who claimed that Israel made up the story about Hamas taking hostages, who's Hamas returning now? Who are these people that Hamas is bringing back now? Of course, Hamas took hostages, and the haters of Israel, the propagandists who hate Israel and who support Hamas and the genocidal attack on the Jewish people, those people will always make excuses and always be apologists for the genocidal terrorists. You had it in Nazi Germany. You had it everywhere you go. Anytime there's a dictator, there's always the apologists. The people who will always excuse everything that the dictator does, everything that the, uh, the cruel genocidal people do in order to push a political point. The thing that has become extremely clear, I, I had a conversation with a guy um, yesterday in synagogue and he said to me you know howie he said it pains me to say this but i realized after this whole thing with gaza started after the genocidal attack on jewish people and this whole thing with gaza started that people i thought were my friends weren't really my friends that people that i thought that i could talk to thought that i could hang out with suddenly we're supporting the murderers of my people. And I thought about that for a second. I thought about just for a second, really. And I said, wow, what a realization. What, a, what, a, what, a, what an astute observation this guy made. We, we, people who live in the diaspora tend to feel comfortable living in the diaspora. Jews are, unfortunately, the victims of this illusion for many, 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 many centuries. We live in the diaspora and uh, we grow comfortable in the role that we play in the diaspora. If we're lucky, if the Jewish people are lucky, the governors and the governments of the diaspora allow them to take part in industry, take part in medicine, take part in teaching. And Jews become extremely wealthy living in the diaspora. And with wealth becomes apathy, becomes, uh, becomes a certain level of comfort. Well, if I have this much money, they're not going to start with me. I could buy my way out of trouble. And because of that comfort level that Jews have living in the diaspora, 
they run into the same problem. They run into this problem every single time. Where when the Jew hater rises up, and has and and, and we, we're seeing that now, the Jew haters are rising up. When they start bubbling to the surface, and they're always there underneath, they're always under the water, they're always the undercurrent. But when they start bubbling up to the surface, the Jews always say, well, they're not after me. <laughs> look, look how much I contribute to society. Nobody's going to bother me. We saw this in Germany. We saw this in France. And we see this in North America now. That the, the strong Jew, the, the Jew who, who has money, the Jew who believes he's wealthy, the Jew who has been convinced by the community that money makes him important, because the only community leaders we see in, in Jewish communities around across North America, at least, are ones that donate a lot of money. Those are considered the Jewish community leaders, the pillars of our community. But the ones who are actually on the ground, the people who are fighting, the people who are putting themselves, their reputations, their, their, their lives at risk, those people are, are, not, uh, are, are not even considered to be community leaders. The public rabbis are community leaders. As they collect their $100,000 salaries and pander to every interest group out there. I'm, uh, I, I, you know, the, the structure of the Jewish communities in North America really disgusts me. And has for a long time. Where good, decent people, who are grassroots, who fight, get subjugated and get put down by the elite They get hosed down like a fire hose, like a dog, by the elites. Bothers me a lot. But at the end of the day, we have to realize, at the end of the day, the realization has to be there. That no matter how much money you have, no matter how influential you think you are, no matter how important you believe your business is, or you believe you are, or, or whatever delusion that you're living under, at the end of the day, you're a Jew. And at the end of the day, the Jew hater hates you, regardless of how assimilated into society you are. I never wore a kippah. No one's ever going to bother me. I don't wear a kippah. Of course, you, of course, they're going to bother you, because you're a Jew. And 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 just like Hitler didn't care if your mother wasn't Jewish, if your father wasn't Jewish, if your grandmother was Jewish, you were a Jew to him. That's how Jew haters think. They don't care. How assimilated you are. They don't care which side of the field you play on. They don't care where politically you stand on any topic. Just the fact that you're a Jew makes you a target. And I know it's a scary thing to think about. It's really a scary thing to say. And I've said this out loud quite a few times over the course of my career. And it's been scary every single time I've said it. It's been a scary thing to say. But that's the truth of the matter. The truth of the matter is if you're a Jew, you're a target. The Jew haters will come after you. And, and it's, it's, it's irregardless of anything else happening in the world. They're going to use that, anything happening in the world, as an excuse to come after you because you're a Jew. For instance, let's take a look at the Gaza-Israel conflict. Hamas attacked Israel for 17 years, continuously committed war crimes, launching missiles into the state of Israel, into the population, the, the civilian population of the state of Israel. From a land called Gaza, which Israel abandoned, they, they, they evacuated nearly 20 years ago. And for 17 years, the world has said nothing about rockets landing on the heads of men, women, and children, innocent men, women, and children, civilians. Couldn't care less. 
On October 7th, Hamas broke through the border and attacked towns, little towns, on the Gazan border. Now, these towns, you have to understand, were made up of people who loved the Palestinian people. People who went out of their way to help the Palestinian people. People who went out of their way to set up organizations to help uh, feed the hungry, to help uh, bring sick people to hospitals. These towns were filled with left-leaning, two-state solution people. And that's who Hamas decided to attack. They decided to start the attack at a, at a, at a music festival, which was a, a peace festival. Peace and Unity, the festival was called. <laughs> the Festival for Peace and Unity got attacked by Hamas, and, and a lot of people who were there were killed as they advocated for peace and unity with the Gazans. Right there on the Gazan border, it was there on purpose, it was a peace and unity concert. And those people were killed by Gaza, by Hamas. So don't tell me that they cared about who they were killing. They killed these people because they were Jews. Killing people in these kibbutzim, killing people in, at this music festival, had nothing to do with reclaiming the land, had nothing to do with liberating Palestine. Taking hostages, men, women, and children, babies, had nothing to do with reclaiming the land, had nothing to do with liberating Palestine had to do with killing Jews and, and terrorizing Jews. But we'll take it one step further because we always have to jump forward one step. Taking it one step further, if we take a look at the protests that were happening around North America just after the Hamas genocidal attack on the Jewish people, and the protests still happening around North America, we hear the chants and sometimes they're chanted in Arabic, sometimes they're chanted in English, but they're basically the same. Gaz the Jews. Kill the Jews. Finish the job Hitler didn't finish. Gaz the Jews. You can't be clearer than that. And notice, and this is something that you have to notice, it hasn't been pointed, and it's never pointed out, but it's something you have to notice. Notice, it's not gas the Israelis. It's not kill the Israelis. It's not expel the Israelis. It's not liberate Palestine, get rid of Israel. It's gas the Jews. So the idea that these protests are in favor of, uh, of some kind of two-state solution is absolutely ludicrous. It's not. These protesters and Hamas and everybody else involved on the Arab side of this conflict are only interested in one thing, and that is the destruction of the state of Israel. That's the only thing they want. They don't want anything more than that. And to pretend that they do, and to fake it, and to say that that's what they want, they want more than that, is a lie. It's an absolute lie. It's politics playing politics for the sake of politics. It's not true. And if you watch the, the interviews in English 
and, and you watch the ones in Arabic, but you watch the ones in English. Hamas spokesmen, they're saying clearly. They're saying very clearly. We want to do this again and again and again and again until we achieve our goal. And again and again and again and again. So what, what are they saying they want to do again and again and again and again? The genocidal attack that happened on October 7th. They want to repeat it again and again and again and again. So they didn't behead enough babies. They didn't murder enough men, women, and children. They didn't rape enough women. They want to continue doing it until they cow the Jews out of their land. That is the goal. Now, if you don't believe that Hamas and, and, and even the PLO and all these Arab groups want the destruction of the state of Israel, and that's their only goal, you just have to take a look at their jewelry, take a look at their maps, take a look at anything that they have that depicts what they see as Palestine, and you will see that it is identical to the map of Israel. So we're not talking a two-state solution here. We're talking eliminate Israel and create Palestine. That is what they are talking about. And so one side, the Jewish side, is talking about, oh, we need a two-state solution. We have to, you know, we have to achieve peace. We have to come up with some negotiated deal. And the other side is saying, no, no. Uh, yeah, we'll pretend to do that. But our ultimate goal is the destruction of the state of Israel. Uh, I remember years ago, after the Oslo Accords, Arafat got up in South Africa and made the statement. He, he made it very clear. There, you know, the negotiations are just a ruse. They're the first step in liberating all of Palestine. The first step in liberating all of Palestine means the entire country of Israel has to disappear. Means that, that Arafat was saying clearly that this is his goal, is to clear and destroy the state of Israel and create a state of Palestine right there. Now why? You may ask, Why? Why do they want to kill the Jews so much? Why? It's religious. It's a religious war. That's, that's the only answer. And as much as people want to pretend it's a land war, and if you think about it, if it was a land war, it would have been solved years and years and years ago. Israel gave up land. Israel was willing to give up land. Israel offered land. It's not a land war. It has nothing to do with land. It has to do with Jews being in the Middle East. That's all it has to do with. And Jews must be destroyed or, or, or usurpers of the land, which they consider Muslim land, have to be destroyed. And infidels have to be killed. And that is it, period. There's nothing more to it than that. So you can negotiate all day and all night. You could try to give them as much lunch as you want, like Ehud Barak did, 80% of everything, uh, or 90% of everything, including Jerusalem as the capital. And they'll still say no. Because they can't even fathom that 20% of the land will still belong to the Jews. They can't fathom that. That's, that's unfathomable to them. And, and that's really where the, this is really where the, the issue lies. That one side wants peace and the other side wants the destruction of the side that wants peace. And the world, and the world media, and the UN constantly blame the victim. And, and that's really where we're, we're at now. This is where the situation has landed. Israel is trying to root out Hamas. Hamas committed an awfully genocidal attack on their country. And they have to destroy Hamas. And like any other war, there is collateral damage. Civilians will be killed. Unfortunate, unfortunate result of war. 
And people will complain about civilians being killed, and that's fine. And and unfortunately, that's that's part of war, that civilians get killed. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, condemning the victim for protecting themselves while praising the aggressor, the world has it backwards. That's the honest truth. I saw a whole bunch of articles praising Hamas for treating the hostages with dignity and respect. What? They should have never taken the hostages to start with. By the way, taking hostages is against international law. But, but now the argument is, you see, before the argument was that, uh, that the Hamas genocidal attack uh, couldn't be, I mean, this is the argument all along, that Hamas can't be held responsible for war crimes since they're not part of the Geneva Convention. Even though they're an elected government, they're not part of the Geneva Convention, therefore they can't be held responsible for war crimes. But Israel is part of the Geneva Convention and they can be held responsible for war crimes. This is what we're told. What? What? Was Bosnia under the Geneva Convention when they held the president there? Slobodan Milosevic when he was held for war crimes? Was Iraq when 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 America went into Iraq and killed Saddam Hussein? They assassinated him. Was he... Uh, was he there? Was, you know, was he responsible for the war crimes? Uh, how about Libya? When they killed Muammar Gaddafi, was he responsible for war crimes? I, I don't understand. I, I just don't get it. it. It doesn't seem to make sense to me. It's okay for every other country in the world who gets attacked to go after the aggressor and sometimes not even the aggressor. In America's case, they went after three countries that had nothing to do with the attack or very little to do with the attack and left the countries that had everything to do with the attack totally intact and unscathed. And that was okay. I know America was criticized. But this whole circus of protests and this whole circus of people screaming and yelling did not happen. 200,000 people did not get onto the streets screaming that America were genocidal murderers and committing genocide against people. That didn't happen. Why not? When the Nigerian women were kidnapped a few years ago, when 18 Nigerian women were kidnapped, were, Hollywood was up in arms. All the actors were holding up signs, we stand with the woman. But 220 Jewish and high nationals were kidnapped. And everyone except for John Lovitz is, is staying quiet? I don't get it. I don't get, if you want to be a human rights activist... And I applaud anybody who's actually a human rights activist. If you want to be a human rights activist, good on you. I applaud you because people have to stand up for human rights. We have to stand up for the dignity and for the rights of humans everywhere. This is something we have to do. As humans, we, we should be doing this. And I applaud anybody who puts their name forward, who puts their face forward, who puts themselves out to, uh, to, to stand up for human rights. But the human rights you stand up for have to be equal. So all humans are equal. We're all created in the image of God. And since all humans are equal, if you're standing up for human rights, you should be standing up for everybody's human rights. So you should have been screaming weeks ago when Hamas committed a genocidal attack against babies. You should have been screaming weeks ago when Hamas took hostages and were holding hostages in Gaza. You should have been screaming and yelling to free the hostages. 
not running around ripping the signs off the walls. Running around saying that it was fake news. Running around and demanding that Israel stop defending themselves. It is, uh, it is, it is absolutely unfathomable that you call yourself a human rights activist and you don't stand for the human rights of the Jews that have been violated. Now, you could argue that Israel is, a, is an occupier and is a colonialist or whatever, whatever keyword you want to use today. You could make that argument. And I'm fine with that. You could, you could argue against Israel all you want. And if it was only soldiers that were taken hostage and only soldiers that were killed in the genocidal attack that Hamas committed on October 7th, you wouldn't hear me on here talking about this very often. It, w- it wouldn't be a constant topic of conversation on this show. Because I honestly believe, and I've said it before and I'll say it continuously, that a soldier's job is to kill or be killed. And if a soldier's taken hostage, that's an act of war. And then this country has the decision to make of whether they're going to go to war to free those soldiers or they're going to go to war to, uh, to liberate the, uh, the region from the, from the threat that, that, that hit their country. But when you take hostages, when you take babies, little kids, and old ladies with dementia, that's not an act of war anymore. That's an act of terror. Taking hostage, civilian hostages... It's not only against international law. It's a repulsive way to, to, to play mind games with the country that you, that you attacked. And I understand why Hamas did it. It's not a secret. It's not, it's not a hidden secret on why Hamas did this. Hamas committed these crimes. They took these people hostage because they knew that Israel was going to retaliate in the way Israel retaliated. Before they even attacked Israel in the heinous and and barbaric way that Israel was attacked, Hamas knew, the leadership of Hamas knew what Israel's response would be, and they protected themselves with human shields that they took as hostages. That is the only reason they took hostages. And they figured, okay, we're going to take these people as hostages, and what we're going to do is we're going to put them into tunnels underneath uh, underneath Gaza, because we have miles and miles and miles of tunnels under Gaza, and if Israel bombs these tunnels and kills our soldiers, they'll kill their hostages too. And then we'll hold up their bodies and say, look, Israel doesn't even care about their own people. It's a big propaganda war. I don't know if you saw the videos of the people being released. But they were waving at their captors as they were going. Their captor was standing there saying goodbye, and they were waving as if they were getting onto a cruise ship. And, and many pro-Gaza, pro pro-Hamas, pro-genocide people are pointing at that and saying, oh, look, they, they waved at their captors. It means that they weren't held badly. It means they were treated really well. Look, they really like their captors. They're saying goodbye to them. They're going to miss them. It's like leaving summer camp. But when we read the interviews, and uh, you could see them, they're all online. Go to uh, Jerusalem Post or go to Israel National News and check out the interviews with the survivors. They will tell you that they were told that if they don't wave, they will be killed. So when they get on the cars and when they're leaving, they have to wave at their captors. If they don't wave, death will come to them. Oh, how about that? They were forced to wave. Oh, it was a propaganda piece. (laughs) Who would have guessed? And the ladies, the innocent people that were released from Israeli prisons in this exchange where three lives were valued, one Jewish life, 
three Arab lives valued one Jewish life. They got off the cars that brought them into Egypt or wherever they were released and joined the crowd yelling, kill the Jews, destroy the Israel, kill the Jews. So there you go. These nonviolent people who were released, who didn't kill Jews, they just stabbed them and uh, just stabbed them and threatened them and planted bombs. They didn't actually kill anybody. Are now standing with the crowds yelling, kill the Jews. These are people Israel let out of prison. And that's the problem with prisoner exchanges. It's the problem when you give in to a, a terror organization that's holding hostages. Another thing Israel did, and, and this is something that we have to really, really point out, unfortunately, is Israel told Hamas that in order to win, in order for them to, to get a check mark in the win column, they have to kidnap women and children and babies. Then Israel will stop whatever they're doing to negotiate to try to release as many people as they want. They get rewarded for kidnapping people. And that's the message that Israel sent to Hamas. That you're going to be rewarded for kidnapping babies. So don't, don't even think for a second, not even for a minute, that in the near future, you're not going to see a lot of babies, a lot of kids, a lot of innocent people being kidnapped and brought to Gaza or to Judea and Samaria, maybe by the PLO. You're going to see a lot of kidnappings because they know that that brings Israel down to its knees. It did this time. Israel's winning the war against Hamas. They're devastating Hamas. Hamas is running. And they stopped everything. To make this prisoner change. Now maybe, just maybe, I could be a little less cynical. And I could say... A show of humanity might perhaps soften the hearts of the terrorists that committed a genocidal attack against Jews. But I, that would not be an honest statement. That really would not be honest. And maybe, just maybe, I could say that the people who are claiming that Israel is committing um, uh, an international crime in this fight... I could I could point to them. I could point them to the uh, to the chapter which says that uh, that Israel's warning the the civilians of Gaza that they're going to attack a region four days before they attack it. They're sending leaflets. They're calling. They're knocking on their roofs, telling them to leave. And that follows international law to the letter. I could point that out because nobody else seems to be doing this. I, I don't know what's with the pro-Israel advocacy groups. Who, who claim that, uh, that they have the monopoly on, on being pro-Israel, who fail to point out the obvious, who fail to, to, to harp on, you know, we, we don't have to be responsive. This is the whole thing with Israel advocacy. And the whole thing that everybody just ignores about Israel advocacy and supporting Israel in the media and, uh, and on university campuses and everywhere else. Why do we have to respond to every accusation that is thrown out at us? Why do we have to respond to everything? Why do we have to let the Jew haters have the upper hand? Why can't pro-Israel groups and organizations just get up and say, hey, listen, 
look, you know, we're going to make a statement and this is it. Uh, you know, I don't care what the other side says. They're liars. This is actually what's happening. And just present the case. We're following international law. We've, we've given them the right to leave their homes. We've warned them that we're going to attack those areas. Hamas has stopped them from attacking. You don't hear this being said on talk shows. You don't hear this thing being screamed in the streets. You don't hear this at all. That's my problem is that we're reactionary rather than proactive. It's time for pro-Israel people to get up and to speak the truth, to get up and tell the world that Israel's not the villain here. Israel's the victim. And although we don't cry in victimhood and we don't uh, display our bodies and we don't consider our dead martyrs, we prefer life over death. We're not a death cult. We're still the victim. And even if we have an army, and even if we can defend ourselves, and even if we are very good at defending ourselves, we're still the victim. 1,500 of our people were killed. We're still the victim. And those of you who want to call me a, you know, a, ooh, a, I'm, I'm, I'm invoking victimhood and I'm, I'm, I'm claiming to be the victim, stealing the victim status from other people, you know what? I really just don't care what you have to say. That's the honest truth. Because when I'm victimized and my people are victimized and my people are murdered in a genocidal attack, my caring about your feelings went right out the window. If you want to support a genocidal terror attack against the Jewish people, if you want to decide, uh, support a, if you decide to support a genocidal organization and stand with them and support them, there is nothing left to talk about. The time for negotiation, the time for this kind of talk is over. Hamas ended that on October 7th when they beheaded 40 babies. Hamas ended that on October 7th when they killed indiscriminately men, women, and children. Hamas ended that on October 7th when they took hostages. Hamas ended that and they ended it long before that, but long before that, the Israeli people were willing to tolerate thousands of rockets falling on their heads. After October 7th, I'm sorry, the tolerance level has run out. And I don't think it'll ever be there again. I don't think there's anybody in the Jewish world, whether in Israel or outside of Israel, that's going to forget about a genocidal attack that happened against the Jews on October 7th. And I don't think there's anybody in the Jewish world who's going to forgive Hamas for that terror attack. If there is, it's one really, really sick person. I'm Howie Silberger. Thank you for joining me. I do appreciate you taking your time to spend this evening with me or this morning, whenever you're listening. Thank you so much for spending your time with me. I do appreciate it. I will see you again next time right here. Until then, stay safe, be strong, and support Israel.